Shalom Aleichem, this is Rabbi Kovex, and the Mishnah continues for Yad Bishvat, which is Erev Tu Bishvat, so Chag Sameach in advance. We are in chapter 6 of Ketuvot, Mishnah Zayin, Hamashlish Mayot Lebito. Now, Mashlish is from the word Shalosh. He makes a third party. The father appoints an agent to go and buy a field or a property, maybe an orchard, a vineyard, and that's going to be dowry for his daughter. And then she will use the, she will own the vineyard and the husband will have the rights to the fruits, as we've explained before regarding dowry. And then what happens, the Gemara explains, the father actually passes away before the third party has acquired the field. And we're still in the first stage of marriage. There's been a kiddushin here, but they haven't gone to chuppah yet. He'll merit and the daughter, the kala, she says, Namon balay alai, I trust my husband. What she's saying to the shalish, the agent of her deceased father, she's saying, you could just give us the cash and my husband will pick out a field or an orchard or a vineyard, an investment property, and that will be my dowry. I trust him to pick out the property that he will find best for our family. So what should the agent do? Ya'aseha shalish, the third party should do, masha hushlosh biada, what he was appointed to do in the first place. David Rebbe Mayer. That's according to Rebbe Mayer. Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Rabbi Yossi disagrees. He says, Isn't this just a field? Meaning, if the shalish had already bought just a regular old field, but he wrote Salamuchra, and the daughter now wants to sell it, wouldn't it be sold right now? Meaning, the dowry, the field, or the vineyard, or whatever this property is, it belongs really to the girl, to the bride. And if she wants to sell it, she could sell it. So Rabbi Yossi's logic is, we might as well give the investment money to the husband for him to buy property for dowry. And again, the the bride will own the actual karka and the husband has the rights to the fruits, the produce from this. We might as well let them do that, let the bride and groom decide, because if he went ahead and bought a field, she could just go ahead and sell it. After all, it's her property. But Morim, when does this rule apply? Bigadola with a girl who's already reached adulthood, a lava katana, a younger girl, younger bride, a masse katana klum. So the act of a child is meaningless, meaning she can't make this financial claim for on the third party to go ahead and give the dowry money to my husband and let him invest it. Mazel tov, let's go on to chapter 7. Hamadir et ishto milhanut lo. Don't try this at home. Someone makes a netter, a vow, an obligation against his wife that she can have no hana, no benefit from him. So now he can't feed her or clothe her. That's a problem. So how long can such a marriage last? Ad shoshim yom, only for 30 days. Now what's going on here is the wife is obviously keeping whatever earnings she makes. As we've discussed in previous chapters, the wife's earnings by default go to the husband, but the husband has the reciprocal obligation to feed her and clothe her and put the roof over her head. So this nether, this vow the husband's making, it only works in the first place if he's letting her keep all of her income. If he's not, then this nether is actually meaningless because he has a biblical obligation to support the wife. So in such a situation where she's keeping her earnings, but of course, you know, there were no other expenses, you know, the dry cleaning and whatever it is, the gas, you know, so she needs a little extra money. So what does the husband need to do? Yomid Parnas, he stands up a provider. Now, we don't mean, the Gemara says, he doesn't appoint an agent 
to give her the extra money. He basically goes to the shuk, he goes where the people are and says, listen, anyone who gives my wife such and such uh, money, they're not going to lose out. And people understand they should give the wife out of their own pocket and then they'll get reimbursed by the husband, but they're not his official agent. So it's not going against his netter of uh, not having her get benefit from him. Yalter Mikan, if this situation goes on for longer than 30 days, they're estranged for longer than 30 days, Yotzi, he must divorce her Vieten Ketuva and give her the full Ketuva payment. Now, the Gemara cites a discussion in our sages if this netter was only 30 days, uh, if it was any longer, this divorce would have happened immediately, or if we really, the netter could be any length, we give the husband 30 days to make amends with his wife and get his netter annulled. Go to a, hot, uh, go to a chacham, a sage, and have an annulment done to the netter. We'll discuss this in detail, of course, in Masechet Nadarim. Here the Mishnah continues, Rabbi Yehudo Mary says there's a chiluk, be Yisroel, if the husband is a regular Jewish guy, Chodesh Echad Yekayim. This situation could be gone for one month. Shnayim Yotzivitin Ketuva. If it goes into the second month, he must divorce her and give her the Ketuva. Ubu Kohenet, a Mrs. Kohen. The husband making this vow is a Kohen. Shnayim Yekayim. We wait two months to see if they can patch it up and get the husband to annul. Shlosha, but into the third month, Yotzivitin Ketuva. Then already we need to give the Ketuva and end the marriage. Why by a Kohen? Do we give him sort of more time to fix the marital problem? Well, it's because if he divorces his wife, there's no takebacks for a Kohen. A Kohen cannot marry a divorcee. By the Israel, maybe maybe that would be an option, though if the guy's making the darim, of course the wife could object to remarrying him in, you know, in the first place. Yashukochachem, Hagsameach, Zaygizunt.